it's an interesting thing. Technology is an interesting thing. I was helping this guy with his, his dissertation, his doctoral dissertation a couple of months ago, and he was talking about, uh, he's, he's going through a dissertation dealing with technology and how you use technology in the church setting. He's, he's, he's getting his degree in, um, systematic theology. And he was, he was talking about that. And he, the questions he was asking me was, what are the things you really enjoy about the modern technology and using PowerPoint and using some of the other technologies that are available? And I said, there's a lot of value to those things. He said, what's the thing you like the least when it doesn't work? <laughs> and you've, you've planned and you've prepared and then you get up to teach and it doesn't work. That can be very frustrating. But we have a crew of very uh, skilled and talented IT folks here. And so we're thankful for them, thankful for the Lord bringing them to us and allowing them to be in fellowship with us here. So another thing before we get started, and I, I dare not take too much time running through other things, but uh, as many of you know, uh, De- uh, Debbie Keating, Larry Keating, my son-in-law, uh, his mother died this past week. She went home to be with the Lord. Very, very lovely woman of God. And uh, she had been sick with cancer for, for quite some time. They went on a vacation, a family vacation, and Joyce and I were, were expressing that she's gone on this family vacation, and I'm sure that when she gets back from this, it is what she has been holding out for. And sure enough, she got back from that, and within a few days, she, she passed on into the presence of the Lord. And I tell you that for a couple of reasons, just to inform you so that you're aware, so you can be praying for Kim and Larry and for the family. But also, um, I was asked to The funeral will be on the weekend. Larry are also having to move out of their house on the 22nd. Introduction last week to uh, looking at the way God has been working through time. And we recognize, as we said last week, this is one of the ways we observe in Scripture the way God is working and dealing in His creation and among men. The way that He is moving, the systems by which He is working through the Word of God. We looked last time at, at seven covenants that He has made with mankind. We saw that in and through all of these covenants and in and through all of these dispensations which we'll be looking at, there is an overarching of God's grace. God's grace is always present. God's mercy is always present in the things that he is accomplishing and doing. And so, let's read a couple of verses in Genesis, please, this morning to just get us started. Genesis chapter 1, and let's read verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Chapter 2, please. Let's go down to chapter 2, and let's read verse 7. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life, which was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's go down to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the, and, and the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the, the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of this portion of his precious word. Father, we acknowledge your presence in our lives. We acknowledge that you are the one and only true God. That you are the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things. And it's by your Spirit working through Your Word that You have taught us. And we have seen the salvation that You have brought to us. And for that we are and will always be eternally thankful for the salvation that is ours through Thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and for Your grace which You poured out upon us. We're thankful, Father. We ask as we look at this portion, as we look at these dispensations, that You would guide, that You would direct by Thy Spirit so we might learn the things that you would have us to learn. For we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, many, many times in the Philippines, when I was teaching at, uh, at the Bible schools and the mini Bible schools and the things that we would, we would often use PowerPoint tre- uh, presentations to teach. I haven't used one in a long time. And the reason I haven't used them for a long time is because mostly I've been doing preaching. I've been going around doing a lot of preaching in different places, and so we haven't used one. So we're going to continue this morning by using this PowerPoint presentation. Listen, think of your life for just a moment. Pause and think of your life. Your life began at birth, or began in conception in the womb. And you became a being that God had created in the womb. Came forth into this world with a sin nature, but yet you, in a sense, were innocent in this world, weren't you? You depended on your mother and father for everything. 
And if they abandon you, you've depended on someone else for you. Because you couldn't care for yourself. And someone provided all that you needed. Provided for your, your food. Your bottle. Took care of you. Food you. Changed your diaper. Did everything that was necessary when you were young. As you grew a little bit older, you began to recognize that there were things that you could do and things that you could not do. When you were an infant, you could get away with pinching your mom. You could get away with slapping her in the face because you knew nothing. You're, she's trying to feed you and you're whacking her at the face. There was no penalty for that. But when you got older, you recognized that there was a difference. That there were things that you could do and things that you ought not to do. There was good and there was evil. There were the things that you should do and not do. And you realize that there were penalties to pay. And it started out small. And then it got more and more and more. And then you became responsible not only for your family, but for those pitted people or citizens, if you will, outside of your family. And you realize you had a responsibility to them as well. And there were, then you found that there were laws that you had to keep. That you just couldn't. Consequences for breaking those laws. And there still are today, aren't there? I can go 80 miles an hour on the highway if I want to. I'm free. But if I get pulled over... There's a penalty for going 80 miles an hour on the highway. And that's just one small penalty, right? Compared to life and the failures of life. Murder, adultery, robbery. There are consequences. In your own life, there are consequences. But we also now, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, have learned of a wonderful promise. That even though we have failed, He has provided a Redeemer. He has provided a Savior. And when we put our faith and trust in Him, He forgives us of all our sin. But when we sin, there's still consequences. But we're forgiven of all of our sin. And there's a promise of an inheritance, a promise of eternal life that is to come. And we dwell amongst the people of God's called out company, the church. And one day, the church age will end and we will go to be with him and he will set up a kingdom of which we will all be a part. That's your life. In a little capsule, that's your life. That is what dispensations are. It is a progressiveness of moving forward in the workings and plan of God. What is a dispensation? We went over this last week. We saw that it was not a period of time necessarily. It has a beginning in a revelation that comes from God. But many times, the things of any given dispensation or working of God carries on into the next one and into the next one and sometimes carries all the way down to the age in which you live. So it is not necessarily a period of time, but it is the way something is administered. It is how 
God is working. One of the definitions that you'll get from a Webster definition is it's a system of order. It is a system of order that God has been using in different periods of time, in different periods of age. He is a system that he is using and working. And again, overarching all of this is his grace and his mercy. Do not think for a moment that anywhere along in any of these dispensations that God has ceased to work in grace. Because he continues to work in grace, as we'll see as we move through these dispensations. It is like a stewardship. Now, we're very familiar with the word stewardship. It is like a stewardship. Something is given to you for which you are responsible. And if you are responsible, there is reward. If you are irresponsible and do not fulfill your stewardship, there are consequences. Dispensations are like stewardships. God gives something to mankind. He gives something to the people of Israel when we get further along. He gives something to the church, and we have responsibility for it. You remember we said last week that uh, we have been adopted as sons into the family of God. We are all who have placed our faith and trust in him, are sons of God by adoption. And we showed that that adoption means that we have been placed as full-grown sons within the family of God. But in that full-grown sonship that we all possess as children of God, there is both privilege and responsibility in those things. And so, so it is in the dispensations of God. Now, what are the seven dispensations? Now, these are, the, the wording on here is not as important as the idea that is, that is conveyed, the system that is conveyed. The theologians, always, you, know, you have to give names to something in order to distinguish it from another one. And so these, these are the definitions, or these are the terms by which many over the years have used to describe the different dispensations. There is the dispensation of innocence, which we will look at today. There is the dispensation of conscience, which we will look at today. There is the dispensation of human government, which we may or may not look at today. It depends on how far we get along. And then as we go down the list, there is the dispensation of law, which we are very familiar with, the dis dispensation of the church. Some would call this the dispensation of grace. I hesitate to do that because I see it all as grace. God is working through all of it in grace. And then we see the end millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if I was amillennial, I would say that there is no reign of Christ. There is no thousand-year reign of Christ. That there is simply the church is bringing in this time, and then the Lord will come, and everything will change. I believe, and we'll see that as we go through these dispensations, that there is a clear distinction in my thinking between Israel and and the church. And the promises that he made to Israel, he will fulfill. Just as the promises he's made to us, he will fulfill. And in some places, you see these things kind of overlapping. But these are the seven dispensations that God has brought and God will bring. The dispensation of innocence. Now, we read some verses. All of those verses were contained in the dispensation of innocence. Now, what do we mean 
when we say innocent. Well, we already understand what the word innocent means. The dispensation of innocence, there were responsibilities that were given to man. Responsibilities that were given to woman. This is the stewardship, if you will, that God gave to them. The first one, or one of the three, is to fill the earth. To populate the earth. He gave life to Adam and Eve, and he says in chapter 1, to fill the earth. My brothers and sisters, that seems to be the only one that man ever fulfilled. He was great at doing that one. But it was a responsibility given to him, and it was an imperative. It was a command, just as we see other commands that come to him. This was a command given to them in their innocence. They're in a time before sin. That needs to be abundantly clear. There was no sin now at this point in time. There was no sin nature dwelling within them. They were aware of the presence of God. They were aware of their creator, had perfect fellowship with him because there was no sin to interfere or to hinder that relationship with him. And they were living in innocence, in a beautiful place that God had created for them. And here they were. And God gave them responsibilities. Have dominion over the earth. Man was given the right to have dominion over the creation of God in the earth. All of the animals, all of the plant life, all of the fish in the sea, all of creation, he had responsibility to be over them, to control them, to have dominion over them. Again, another command that comes from God in this period of innocence that God had given to them. Care of the garden. You are to take care of the garden. Tend the garden and keep the garden which I have given to you. Take care of it. Take care of it. How long a period this was, I, I, I cannot determine. But he was to be taking care of the garden. And there was a command, a clear command. These were commands as well. These were instructions as well given to them that they were to obey. But the command that was given is do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of that tree. It's in the midst of the garden. There is the tree of life. There is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything you can have. You can eat all the fruit. You can eat all of it. It's all yours. Except this one. This one is mine. This one is mine. You are not to eat of it. God oftentimes makes things that are exclusive to him. Exclusive to him alone. And he tells Adam, and Adam refers to Eve, and they know that this tree is the only prohibition that God had. He gave them other commands, but those things weren't connected with a penalty. The penalty here was if you eat of it in the day that you eat of it, dying you will die. Dying, you will die. Man's fair. Eve and Adam disobeyed God. Eve was deceived by this serpent. And we know the story. 
we know the account. You shall be like God, knowing good and evil. Prior to this time, all they knew was the good that God had given. Of all the good that God had provided. When they ate of the tree, now did they become like gods? They now knew good and evil. They knew both. But what the serpent didn't tell them is that in evil, you will not be able to keep yourself from evil. Good. Good you can choose to do as you want. But evil, you will not be able to keep yourself from it. And so they failed. The judgment was they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. Put out of the Garden of Eden. That was their punishment. And that moment, they began to die. They began the process that would one day bring about death to them. And dying, they would die. My brothers and sisters, because of the curse that fell on Adam, dying, you shall die. You're dying right now. Little by little, you're dying. And you have no idea how long, how long the Lord has allowed you to live. But the common denominator is, you're dying. And everyone in this room, unless the Lord returns, will die. There is a call, there is a, there is a principle that comes over out of this dispensation that still rests on mankind. Things that continue over. The role and purpose of the sun, moon, and the stars. And we didn't go into that earlier, but this is a purpose from that in age of innocence that passes over, doesn't it? There are still signs in the heavens. There's still the wonder of the great light and the lesser light in the heavens that guard the times and the seasons. And God said he would keep them there. It's still governing the times and the seasons. God lives outside of time, yet he is in time and works through time. But he created, and the purpose of those lights and times and seasons continue. Man's dominance over creatures still, still is prevalent in this world. Now, you might read a story from time to time about a grizzly bear who goes, drags a woman out of a tent and kills her. And she couldn't say to the grizzly, and now you stop that right now, because sin has come into this world. But man still has dominion. We still have dominion. And I don't care what anyone might tell you, and maybe I care, not so much, about the idea that man is just one creature out of many. Oh, he is one creature out of many. But he is the pinnacle of the creation of God to whom he gave dominion over this world. And he is the only one whom God has reached out to save and to redeem. One day he'll redeem the whole earth. We realize that as well. The image of God. The image of God. Which things continued over? The image of God. 
Now, the image of God, in some minds, maybe we will think that that is diminished a bit. We don't quite see it as clearly as we did. Obviously, it doesn't refer to the way we look, because I sure hope God doesn't look like you. But he, it's, it's, they say it's diminished a bit. You know, I would have to disagree with that. And the reason I disagree with that is this. The image of God is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has not diminished one bit. We don't reflect it as clearly as we could have and would have. We don't reflect that image the intellect, sensibility, and will that he has shown to us, we don't reflect it as clearly, and in that way it might be diminished. But the image of God is not diminished, for he, it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself who is the image of the invisible God. The covenant of marriage, it remains. God created man and woman. And you notice he didn't put any other genders in between. He didn't say, God created man and woman. And by the way, there will be other things as well. He created man and he created woman. And he created marriage. The joint union between man and woman to produce godly offspring. So the covenant of marriage carries over. What principles did not carry over? Immortality. And we already discussed that. Because we're dying. We're all dying. But in me dwells eternal life. Because my body may die, but because I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I will never die. The gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. But these bodies... And mortality always deals with the body, doesn't it? Mortality, immortality was lost. The enjoyment that comes from a bountiful earth, from Eden. Oh, we enjoy the bountiful earth. We enjoy all the fruits and all the vegetables and all the things that we can grow in our gardens. We enjoy seeing them all. But I went out just yesterday and I was in my garden and I was pulling weed after weed and thorn after thorn and thistle after thistle because there is now by the sweat of your brow that you will work. That you will work. And all of the enjoyment that came from a bountiful earth is now work and labor. Work is not a sin, by the way. Work is not part of the curse. It is the labor that now is involved in it because of the fall. And we've been trying to get rid of this for, for centuries, right? We've been trying to get rid of the sweat of your brow. We create all kinds of things to try and eliminate the sweat of your brow. What do I mean by that? We have all kinds of wonderful equipment. And we have all kinds of technology. We have all kinds of stuff that makes it easier for us. The judgment. To the woman's sorrow in childbirth. I know nothing about this, so I won't address it. To the man, the cursed soil that we just spoke about. It will not bring forth, it will bring forth what you need, but it will be by the sweat of your brow, thorns and thistles. To both of them, a return to dust. From dust you were made, he tells Adam, to dust you shall return. 
And then they were driven out of the garden. To the serpent, he shall eat dust all the days of his life. And we mentioned this last week. Enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. The promise of a Messiah that was to come. And when this was given, he went out in all his fury, if you will, to destroy the seed. And all the way down through the ages, he has been seeking to destroy the seed. The promise of the one who would come and crush his The grace of God. The grace of God seen in this dispensation of innocence. The grace of God. He provides a covering for them. And how does He provide a covering for them? He offers up the very first sacrifice recorded in Scripture. And God is the one who makes it. Just as God made the last one. He made the first one that covered man. And He made the last one in the sending of his son, whom he offered up as his own lamb for the sins of mankind. The first sacrifice made by God himself and the last sacrifice and propitiation for our sins made by God himself. Beginning and the end. They were driven out of the garden lest they eat of the tree of life and live forever. This is grace. As we've seen here, he performed a sacrifice. He covered them. They were afraid. Sin brought fear. They were hiding in the garden. They were afraid of the presence of God. And he covered their nakedness. And he put them out of the garden, lest they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and live forever. To consume the tree of none, and the picture that is here is beautiful. He did not want them to live forever in a state of fallen nature. He was going to redeem them. The seed was going to come. He was going to restore them. And they would not allow them to eat of the tree of life and live forever in a state of sin. And he drove them out of the garden, lest they eat of the tree of life and live forever. Conscience. We got three minutes. We got enough time to go through this. Responsibilities in this dispensation of conscience. Now, remember, good and evil. Man now knows good from evil. And now, God is giving them responsibility. Do good. Do what is right. Choose good over evil. Your conscience is now bearing witness against you. And when you, in your conscience, recognize good and evil, choose good. Choose to do what's right. That is the responsibility given to you in the state in which you find yourself now. Failure. Cain murders Abel. Time of conscience. Cain brings an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel brings an offering of the firstling of the flock. And it says that God had favor on Abel's offering. And on Cain's, he said, Cain, 
and this is one way it's translated, Cain, bring the right sacrifice and I will accept you. I have showed you, I have demonstrated to you, I have taught you what I expect. And what I expect is a sacrifice of blood shed. Because that's what it's all going to come down to, Abel. It's all going to come down to death. Someone taking the place of you. And Cain said, did I hit something? No. Cain said, I will do my own thing. There's many in this world trying to do their own thing. But it's only the blood of Christ that will save only the shed blood of Christ, the sacrifice which God made of his own son that can save and no other sacrifice is good. No other sacrifice is acceptable. And the spirit of God says all the way down through the ages to the age in which we sit in our chairs today, do what I've told you and you shall be accepted. Receive the sacrifice of my son and you will be Forgiven and accepted. Every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is where it went. Every thought of man's heart, the world became overrun with evil and they did not choose good. Some did, but they did not choose good. And then there was that intermarrying, that mysterious intermarrying, which we won't go into today. But it appears as though, and there's a couple of ways you can look at this, and we're not going to really go into it. It appears to me that the line of Seth intermarry was intermarrying with the line of Cain, and it was producing offspring that were not holy and not honoring unto God. Now, you can look at that different ways, and I'm not, not here to argue one point or another. Scripture is silent on it. But there was that as a part of the failure of man. Judgment. Destroy all flesh. God said, I repent. I I relent that I even made man on this earth. The thought of his heart is evil continually. I gave him responsibility and he has failed. He has failed. And a great flood came. And destroyed all flesh that walked upon the earth. All human beings saved eight souls because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What things carry, what has changed? Murders are no longer protected. Murders are no longer protected. What else? What remains? A sense of conscience. Mankind still has a sense of conscience. I believe that we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have something greater than conscience. We have the Spirit of God that dwells with us, that prompts us and moves us. But man still has a conscience. Man knows right from wrong. Why do you think when someone robs a store, like I saw in some videos and you did this week, running into a store, grabbing all that stuff, why aren't they just walking out? Because they know it's wrong. There may not be the consequences that used to be, but they know it's wrong. Man still has a conscience. 
Man has a sin nature. We all now possess a sin nature. Grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and the seed is preserved. You will find, and we may look at this next week because I'm out of time, and I'm trying to be very good about my time. We will find next week that there are two lines that come. You have, the, you have a genealogy that traces the line of Cain, which all of a sudden just stops. And then you have a genealogy that flows out of Seth that goes all the way down to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you find that genealogy, of course, going all the way back to Adam that you'll find in, in the genealogy that you find in Luke. He was going to preserve the seed, and that seed was coming through Seth. And through Seth was a man named Noah, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he preserved the seed, building an ark. Noah built an ark, and God brought him through. The end results weren't so good at the end, after the flood. But God preserved the seed. Responsibilities, this is human government. We'll hold off on that for next week because we are out of time. The Lord is working. He is moving down through the ages. He has a system. He has administrations that he has been giving to man down through the ages. And we happen to be a part of that final great age of the church. Following this will be a kingdom. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I will be there. Will you be there? I will be there. Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your grace. We give you thanks for the way that you have shown and demonstrated your grace down through the ages. We're thankful, Father, for grace that was shown to Adam and Eve. And that first sacrifice that was made because it foreshadowed another great sacrifice that you would make when the seed came and he was offered up as a sacrifice because of our sin. Father, we're thankful that now because we have placed our faith and trust in him, we have been redeemed and we have been saved. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.